Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words, while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. That's Psalm 41, which along with Psalm 52 are the psalms appointed for today, Monday, December the 12th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We are in the prophecy of Zechariah today, chapter 1, verses 7 to 17, also in the book of the Revelation, chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, and then in the Gospel according to Matthew, um, chapter 24, verses 15 to 31, which is all about judgment. And so we're in this season of Advent, we're waiting for the return of the Lord. And so while we can be excited about that and hope and long for it and pray for it and work for the coming of the kingdom, um, the other side of it is, is that, that the, there's a reality of judgment there as well. And so we would do well to remember that so that we might pray for those who are close to us, who that we love, that they might come to saving faith. And we can also work for that. And so this is the reason we're given the work to do is because judgment is real. Um, there's the other reason for it is, is we'd like to see the kingdom of God established now. And so the more people who are living with kingdom values and kingdom lives, then the better off all life on earth will be. So in this Zechariah passage on the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the Persian king, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, saying, I saw in the night... And behold, a man riding on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behold, behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then I said, What are these, my Lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I'll show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. There's a sort of Lord of the Rings feel. to this passage, actually, because you can see these these horses and their riders there, and they've been sent out to patrol the earth, to, 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 to keep watch on the earth for the Lord. And they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. In other words, there's ease in the world, which is an incredibly uncommon uh, thing to happen on the earth. And says, the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which you have been angry these 70 years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, cry out, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. And I'm exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For while I was angry, but a little, they furthered the disaster. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and a measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, My cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. So what we see is remember that the Lord had actually decreed that the judgment would come against first, it would come against the people that belonged to him, and that he was going to use other nations to execute that judgment against them. It wouldn't be necessarily a miraculous sort of justice and judgment that comes out of the blue as far as just an act of God was concerned. No, he was going to use human uh, instrumentation to pull this off, this judgment, and, and judge against his people. And so what he had found was is that he found a, people who were willing to be instruments of his justice, and that's the Babylonians. And what he's saying is is that, that they carried it too far. They, they, they went beyond the boundaries that I had set for the judgment against my people, and so now I'm about to act on behalf of my people and restore them to the land and restore the temple and restore my name in Israel. And so the, the judgment is now turning beyond the people of God out into the world. And, and we've been told, and history shows us, that that's exactly the way things always happen. Judgment comes first to the house of God, whether that's defined as Israel or the church. And so judgment begins there, and that's exactly what happens in the book of the Revelation. The first judgments are literally the letters to the churches. And so the judgment begins there, and then it spills out into the rest of the world. But the church has to be purified. The people of God have to be purified, and they have to be restored to the original calling on them, and that is to be a kingdom of priests serving our God. And so in order to do that, then it, it, the people of God, however you're going to define it today, has to be cleansed. In order that the world has a clear, clean witness and therefore has no excuse for turning against him and turning against his people. And so that cleansing, that judgment has to begin with those who who take his name and who are in covenant with him because we have failed to make him known in the world. And so that's exactly what's happened here is, is that judgments come against God's people, and now God's going to restore them, and we know that he does in the time of Zechariah, who is one of the ones who oversees and prophesies while they rebuild the temple in the land. Jesus has been asked, remember, he had said that the, that not one stone would be standing on another in the temple complex, and, and now he has been asked, how what are the signs? How will we know these things? And so he's continuing that. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand that this is something that actually happened in 70 AD prior to the destruction of the temple by the Romans. So they did indeed set up what we would know as an abomination of desolation. It's an unlawful sacrifice. There's a, there are pigs brought to be sacrificed in the temple, and their god, the Roman standards with the eagles on them, would be set up in that place. And so that's the abomination of desolation. So this is going to happen during the time of, of most of, if not many of, the disciples. 
He said, then let, with that time, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, it's going to be horrible is what he says. There's going to be a terrible thing happen in Jerusalem. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So there's there's that imminent judgment that's coming on the temple and coming to Jerusalem, and then there's a larger judgment coming on the earth that will that must be cut short because the violence that will be uh, be done in the earth will be so great. I mean, it's a time of great evil that's coming, is what Jesus is saying. Then, if anyone says to you, "Look, here's the Christ," or "There he is," don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. In other words, keep your eyes open. Don't believe every rumor out there. And and there will be rumors about things that are going on. I can certainly remember within my lifetime rumors about this happening and that happening and then finding out, well, those things didn't actually happen. But there have been constant sort of ideas that that the Lord has come or that something new is afoot, and we have to be careful about those things. We always have to be careful. He said, see, I've told you beforehand, so if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe that either. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be perfectly obvious it won't be whispered about. No, it's going to be perfectly obvious, is what he says. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And so this is judgment. This is this is death of society. And so this this is what's going to happen. Is is that that where there's roadkill, essentially, that there will be many vultures. And certainly, when we lived in coastal South Carolina, we saw lots and lots of turkey vultures eating the carrion on the road. Here, where we are now, it tends to be more crows that we see doing that. Occasionally, we'll see turkey vultures, but not very often. But you can always tell where, quote, judgment has come, something has died by the the sight of those vultures. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is all stuff that's that's in the book of the Revelation as well. We see a, a third of the stars swept from the sky, the sun not giving its light, the moon dark. <clears throat> and he said, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And we don't know what that is. But, but he says it'll be a sign in the heavens. And so what is it we're looking for? We're looking to the heavens for that sign. And so what is that sign? And certainly in Revelation, we see heavenly signs. We see the the signs in the heaven of the, the woman giving birth and then the dragon that would snatch it away. And those are referring to constellations and the movement of constellations through space and time. And so here he's telling us that we, we need to be able to to unpuzzle the, the skies. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he'll send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they'll gather the elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And so if there's three different times in there where, it, where Jesus mentions the elect, 
And so no matter whether you're a Calvinist or an Arminian theologian on this, you can't avoid that, that word elect, right? I mean, I have no earthly idea how you're, if, if you're an Arminian, where it is that you do the choosing. I don't know how you'd parse that, because the elect are those chosen by God. And just as he chose Israel out of all the nations, so has he chosen us, the church, from all the nations. And so we are the elect. We are those whom God has chosen for salvation, but who has also chosen for the mission of making him known. And so you can't avoid the idea that God is the one who has done the election. We, we're, we're not electors. We don't elect him, God. He elects us. He is the sole elector. And in the book of the Revelation, in, the, in this final um, letter to the churches, it says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, it's a different Philadelphia, though, obviously. The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who, op- who shuts and no one opens. In other words, he has all the power. No one has more power than him. And when I said the city of brotherly love, that's actually what Philadelphia means. It means the, the Phil part is love. And so that, that's what we get with Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love is a literal translation of the word itself. So he says, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut, which goes on with what he had just said about himself, that he is the one who can open the door and no one can shut it. He said, I know that you have but little power, and yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. High praise for the church in Philadelphia. It says you're little and you're inconsequential um, and you don't have any great power, but you do have great power because in spite of the fact that you have little power, you've not denied me. You've kept my word. In other words, you've done the things that I told you to do and you have not denied my name. You have not compromised with the world and said, well, there may be other ways to heaven. He says, behold, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. In other words, those who have tried to turn you into, um, into Jews and put you back under the law, he calls that the synagogue of Satan, and says, I'm going to bring them to you so they'll see and they'll bow before you and they will know that I have loved you. In other words, that you're on the right path. What he would say is that denying his name would be going back to the sacrificial system, going back to the old ways when his sacrifice was once and for all perfect and sufficient. So to, to continue the practice of sacrifice and all those other things that they would have them do is, is to deny Jesus, to deny the cross was the final word on sin in our lives. He says, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep from you, keep you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven, and my own new name. Because Jesus, Yahshua, Yeshua, means the Lord saves. So the new name 
will be after the judgment. He'll have a new name because we will already be saved at that point. And then he says, who, he who has an ear, let him hear in the, what the Spirit says to the churches. The, the, the church in Philadelphia is the only church to whom Jesus speaks who, who isn't threatened with having their candles, their lampstand taken away from him. He, he has great mercy and pity on this poor, powerless church here in Philadelphia, and it's because they persevered. That's the call for all of us, is to persevere in truth no matter what comes against us.